The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And there's screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who going this town tonight. Welcome to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio. Uh, Kwame should be joining us shortly. Friday got a big show today a lot to talk about we'll talk nba definitely making that final push towards uh positioning for the playoffs some teams will make it some teams won't obviously uh the phoenix suns uh it's yet to be seen uh what their fate will be but every game matters and the dallas mavericks and clippers game definitely mattered for them last night um result wasn't so good for the uh, suns organization but uh the season isn't over yet there are f- uh, six or seven games left so uh, I'll definitely dive into that. Uh, Daniel Murphy is getting a lot of flack. The, uh, the uh, pitch, uh, player for the Mets uh, took a couple games off for the birth of his child, and uh, there's been a lot of backlash about it, especially even though it's the first uh, couple games of the year. Uh, I'll talk about that a little bit. Chris Johnson got released today. Titans running back. I'll talk about good places where uh, he might fit in and – how the team that he chooses reflects him as a player and what his goals are in the NFL. So let's start with that. Chris Johnson is due was due $8 million by the Titans next year. Uh, they are cutting ties with him. A couple of years back, he held out uh, through training camp. It was this huge uh, hubbub. and uh, He's a few years removed from being the most electric running back in the NFL. He's great out of the backfield, great hands. Uh, really dynamic speed. I'm not sure where he's going to go. And I was looking at the the worst rushing teams from last year. Atlanta 32nd, Jacksonville 31st, Baltimore 30th, Giants 29th, Cleveland and Pittsburgh tied for 27th. With the movement of players, Ben Tate to Cleveland will probably help them a little bit. Atlanta, who knows? Uh, Steven Jackson just did not work out last year. He was hurt for some of the year. Uh, that's been a pass-happy offense pretty much forever. When they had Michael Turner, you know, he was never that he was never that long-run guy. He was always three, four yards carry, nothing exciting, uh, never caught any passes out of the backfield. They drafted Jaquiz Rogers uh, to kind of help with that. Steven Jackson had a few touchdowns last year, nothing really exciting. He's probably six or seven years removed from being relevant, Steven Jackson is. So that might be an interesting spot, especially with such an with an awful year that Atlanta had uh, due to Julio Jones getting injured early on in the season on top of just... seems like they just took a year off. So that'd be an interesting spot. Jacksonville signed Toby Gerhardt as our number one. I wouldn't want to touch that if I were, if I were Chris Johnson. But if they pay him the most, who knows? Uh, Baltimore with Ray Rice. Ray Rice... 
has been charged with felony counts of assault. So if he's not going to be playing with the Ravens, that would be an interesting spot for Chris Johnson. But personally, I have a couple teams that I think would be fantastic for him. And and these teams would be predicated upon him wanting to win as opposed to wanting to get paid. And a lot of players in this day and age would rather chase the money than chase the championship. And this kind of goes against every fiber of my being, but I, I can't blame them for it in the sport of football. Because the next play could be your last play. Every play. Not a lot of guaranteed money, comparatively speaking, to the other professional sports. You're not getting $100 million like you are in baseball and getting every dollar regardless of if you play or not. So I understand that if he wants to go to a team that will give him 15, 16 mil guaranteed, even on, even on the borderline tail end of his career, maybe take it. So I'm going to give you a couple teams that I think that he would fit in with, barring salary cap and, and, and everything in that regard, in order to win a championship. And I, I'll give you a couple teams that I think would be beneficial for him just to get paid. I think to win a championship, Houston would be a fantastic spot. And why I say that is because Ben Tate is now gone. Arian Foster has had nagging injuries, has had career, uh, uh, season-ending injuries throughout his career. He was one of the biggest workhorses in the NFL in the late 2000s. 2008, 2009, 2010, touched the ball more than anybody in football. And his body has, is showing that with, with all the injuries that he has. Without Ben Tate there, who was kind of their, their backup plan when, if and when, inevitably, Arian Foster would get hurt, so he's not there anymore. Chris Johnson, if they could run a duo package with them two, that would bring them right back into relevancy after their awful year last year. And regardless of who they put at quarterback, because obviously Matt Schaub's not there anymore, who they put at quarterback, you have a little more leeway. Because you have two guys that are used to carrying the load 25, 30 touches a game combined with with handoffs and actually catching the ball out of the backfield. So, I mean, that could be a really, really interesting dynamic between the two of them. I'm not sure if Chris Johnson's ego is too big to be the 1A running back. But he kind of was last year when Sean Green was there. Sean Green got many of the goal line carries that normally would have gone to Chris Johnson because he's a bigger, stronger back. So I think Houston's a great would be a great spot. And I don't want to say this, but Denver. Now he would have to take a pay cut, and this would be for him to win a championship. They got rid of Noshan Moreno, so Monty Ball would be their primary back as of now. We'll see what they do in the draft. We'll see if they if they go cheap and draft a running back in the second or third round and maybe kind of fit him fit him in like they did Monty Ball last year. But if Chris Johnson went to Denver, you know, took took ten or twelve mil, six or seven mil guaranteed, that would be unfair for the NFL. He can do everything better than Noshan Moreno. Noshan Moreno's career was resurrected by Peyton Manning. He's shown flashes in the past couple years, but it hasn't been anything close to to, to what he showed last year. Obviously. He was a top 10 back last year. And I believe that how Peyton runs that offense yields running backs 
to be put in the best positions possible to succeed. Because of all the checks he makes at the line, because of all the Omahas, because of all their receivers that they have now, minus Eric Decker because he went to the Jets, Chris Johnson could flourish there. He could be a pro bowler there. And again, I'm not sure what the money would be like because they've spent so much money in free agency. They spent a lot of money in free agency. So, I mean, he would have to take probably the most pay cut, the biggest pay cut if he were to go there. Uh, we got Kwame Lasseter on the line. Kwame, I'm talking Chris Johnson. Uh, I'm kind of splitting up teams that he could potentially go to, half with regards to him wanting to win a championship, a Super Bowl, and the other half with him just wanting to get paid. So thus far with with him in an effort to win a Super Bowl or, or be in contention for one, the two teams that I've picked for him are Houston and take away their record last year because they still have a pretty strong team. And if they draft Jadavian Clowney, their defense will be top-notch. Houston or Denver, if you were to take a big pay cut and go to Denver, what do you think? I think uh, if he wants to get paid, you go to Houston, because Houston's not winning a championship next year. Uh, not with that drop-off. Although I've seen it done before with the St. Louis Rams being 3-13 and and next year after that, or 4-12 and and winning the Super Bowl. Chris Johnson is still a, a talent. He's still serviceable. He's still will be an intricate part of somebody's offense. That's not a bad deal to be over there with Arian and Foster uh, with that combination, as we talk about a lot, the one-two combination as a running game, as I mentioned often as the uh, Carolina Panthers have. I think the uh, Atlanta Falcons, if any team is going to bounce back this year, I think the Atlanta Falcons, that would be a good combination with uh, uh, Jackson over there, who's, who's acquired, he's been hurt last year, but he should be healthy this year. The Atlanta Falcons got him from the St. Louis Rams. So Chris Johnson and Jackson over there would be a good combination. Denver Broncos is not bad at all. If that's any team that's looking like a Super Bowl, will be in a Super Bowl next year, it will be uh, the Denver Broncos uh, out of the AFC. Is my pick. If you want to get paid, then you, go anywhere, you can go anywhere in the league, probably about 15 teams in the league just to get paid. If they need a running back, yeah, no, absolutely, and and I said uh, in the start of the show that it'll tell a lot about what he wants for the rest of his career. This is this might be his last contract. If he gets three years with somebody like MJD did, this could be the end of his career afterwards, or end of his relevant career, where he could just go, you know, run around and get a little money here, a little money there from from different teams to finish his career. What do you think about? Uh, and 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 the last one I was gonna say, and this is the interesting one because they have so many running backs over there to begin with. But Jonathan Stewart's gone, and what what about in, what about in Carolina? Because oh, I like that. Well, I be- like Carolina. I like him in Carolina because uh, their defense because, uh, is so good. We don't know what, what's going to happen with uh, Cam Newton and his ankle uh, surgery, and it takes a little bit of pressure off him with the running back situation. I'm all, I'm always a favorite of two running backs, uh, guys who can change the game regardless who's in there, especially if you got two of them, that makes it even more potent for or more of a disruptive offense or defenses have to try to defend against. So Carolina's not a bad decision at all. Chris Johnson, in my opinion, is still one of the better backs in this league, one of the service backs. But today's football, running backs are diamond dozen. Yeah, no, absolutely. But but he but he has a skill set that not that 
you know, only certain running backs have at this point. And when you have running backs coming in out of the draft right away, being able to perform, that's kind of dropping his stock a little bit because now a lot more running backs can do what he's doing. And, and you alluded to that. And then two running back offense is kind of now the stencil for the NFL. The last one, I had five. The last one is, uh, oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, oh, is Indianapolis. That's the fifth one. And I think that that could be a Marshall Falk situation there. Because they got rid of Donald Brown. Trent Richardson is, is uh, nobody knows what he's going to be like with how awful he played last year after the trade. If you have Chris Johnson in the backfield with Andrew Luck, Reggie Wayne, Akeem Nix, and T.Y. Hilton, and Kobe Fleener at tight end, that could rival Denver for the best offense in the NFL. I don't think they got rid of Donald Brown. I think Donald Brown was a free agent, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, no. He, yeah, he they just they just so didn't resign he, uh, him. Yeah, he had that option. He chose to go somewhere else. If this uh, and they asked with coach, it's a good decision for Chris Johnson. But I don't know if that's for a uh, to get paid or is that for a championship down the road somewhere. But Chris Johnson would probably only get a three year deal max and maybe pay two of those deals. So if that's the case, you go somewhere that you get paid. Uh, but these guys who play at a high level, they want to win championships. So you go somewhere, as you mentioned, as the Denver Broncos, take a pay cut of somewhat with a chance to play in a big big game at the end of the year. Right. Uh, Got to take a break. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk, Alex Clancy in the studio. Kwame on the line on the other side. We'll talk about where he could go if he just wants to get paid. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk, we'll be back. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Welcome back. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk, 888-346-9144. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow Kwame at Kwame Lasseter. Kwame will be calling back in a few minutes. We're talking Chris Johnson. He's one of my most uh, intriguing players in the NFL. He interests me above many others because of his skill set still, and I think people kind of forget about him because Tennessee hasn't really been relevant. We talked about the teams that, in my opinion, 
would be the best spots for him if he were to go chase a championship and take a pay cut. Now, if he wants money, these are the teams that I think would benefit him. Giants, and there's there's been rumblings about the Giants wanting to sign him, even though they already signed, Rasha, signed Rashawn Jennings uh, from the from the Raiders in Jacksonville uh, in the offseason, and the Cowboys. I don't like either of those teams for him. I think DeMarco Murray is fine over there. They have Lance Dunbar. I don't think you need to muddy the waters in Dallas. I don't think you need to muddy waters, muddy the waters in New York. He needs to be a feature back or a 1A back. They always have three running backs in New York. They have DeMarco Murray in Dallas, who last year proved himself. I know, he was on my fantasy team. He proved himself. He still gets crap talked about him. He had a huge year. He had a huge year. I mean, he was he was a couple hundred yards away from a 2,000-yard all-purpose season. I don't know why that's why that's overlooked. He should be the number one back, and that's the way it should stay. If Chris Johnson wants to go for the money, Miami, even though they just signed no Sean Moreno, Atlanta, because I don't think that a huge turnaround especially in that division with New Orleans and Carolina and Tampa Bay, who is now actually an NFL team again. Lovey Smith, huge offseason signings there. I don't know if they can do it. I don't know, I don't know if they can become relevant in just one year. And Chris Johnson, I mean, it's ticking for him. So I don't know if that's the best spot, especially in a pass-happy offense. But I believe they have some money to spend. So if he wants some money, he could go there. The Giants, I mean, that's and, and, and I don't like that at all, as I, as I just alluded to. Kansas City would be an interesting one. They haven't moved anywhere in free agency. They, Dexter McCluster is gone now. So Jamal Charles and Jamal Charles. Imagine if they them two were together. With this with their screen packages and Andy Reid runs, Chris Johnson and and Jamal Charles to help out Alex Smith. I mean that that'd be scary. I I was going to say Oakland, but that was before MJD uh signed there a few days ago. And the Jets. I hope he doesn't go to the Jets. Bilal Powell. I think Chris Ivory's there. Until the Jets start. I mean, they did go 8-8 eight eight last year. And that was, a, in my opinion, a premonition. I mean, that, that showed more about Rex Ryan than anything else. Eric Decker went there. You know, Michael Vick signed there. Fine. I mean, it's, it's, they look okay on paper at best. I just wouldn't want to be in a division where you have to play the Patriots twice a year. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. But but they'd be able to pay him, and and it's it, I just don't see the Jets as as a team that would be fun to play for. So overall, 
Chris Johnson still has some juice in the tank, but it's but there's a little bit there's a teensy leak in it. Let's just say that. So his time is it's not getting longer. It's definitely uh, getting closer to to his time. So three years, thinking maybe he'll get fifteen mil with with eight guaranteed something something in that in that ballpark. 18 mil with a guaranteed incentive-based, like like every NFL contract is. But he's not going to get 8 mil a year. His agent is nuts if, if they think that that's still a possibility. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, same agent that represents Chris Johnson, represents Michael Vick, represents Deshaun Jackson. So they get released, they sign quickly. So maybe next week, by this time next week, Chris Johnson might be wearing a new jersey, which I am super excited to see uh, what what colors they will be a part of. Daniel Murphy, I don't... This baffles me, this story. I mean, it's almost annoying, the story itself. Three games into the season, Daniel Murphy, second baseman for the Mets, Takes paternity leave for the birth of his child. He missed two games. The, first of all, the Mets are awful. So it's not like you need to get, a, get, get off to a good start, show your dominance uh, around the National League, anything in that regard. The Mets are awful. They're the ugly stepchild of the New York Yankees, who aren't playing very well either. Losing two out of three of the two, two out of three to the Astros to start the to start the season. It's the beginning of the year. The season lasts seven years. It's one eightieth of the season that he missed. One eighty first of the season that he missed. For something that is so much more important than baseball, and I understand this is your money source. I understand this is how. You support your family, but you're getting paid no matter what. If you take paternity leave for a year, you're getting paid. I just can't understand why the organization as a whole wouldn't cherish something like this for for one of their own. I can't understand why the talking heads are just bashing this guy. I mean, it's almost they're almost calling him unprofessional. Almost calling him weak. Questioning his love for the game. I mean, this is all speculation on my part. I'm kind of diving into Boomer Sison's words and uh, he was one of the guys that came out and said, you know, paternity leave is a joke. Should have had your wife have a C-section before the season started. <laughs> Oh man, that's it's just ridiculous to me. Uh playing 162 games in a year is it's a lost art. We're we're a far cry from Cal Ripken and his long streak. I mean, yes, there are guys that play every day and 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 truly love the game. I mean, look at Derek Jeter. He tried to come back four times last year. I mean, he, he could have sat he could have sat the whole year if he wanted to. So what do you what do you think about this Daniel Murphy thing, uh Kwame? Do you think that it's a big deal that he took a couple of games off to go witness the birth of his child? No, not at all. I think the uh, in a uh, collective bargaining agreement, you can take three dollars, three days off anyway. I think it's just when he took the days off and the season just starting. 
uh, and those that team end up losing. I don't think it was a big deal at all. Like, you know, especially it was the birth of his uh, kid. So people make a lot about it for no reason other than they lost the game, and that's one of their one of their starter guys, starting guys. Do, do you think that the that some people might see it as disrespectful to the organization for not being there opening day? Not at all. That's the first game of the season. Uh, they have 162 baseball games. First day, first game of the season. It's not going to define whether you win a World Series or get into the pennies or not. That's the uh, it's in the collective bargaining agreement. And if you take these days off in October when they make it a run for the playoffs, for the that's a whole different ball game. I understand that, but anybody got anything to say about him missing the opening day uh, because of the birth of his child? And those guys, are, those people are idiots. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I just wanted to touch on that really quickly. I, I want to get to the NFL. Two really, really interesting games last night. Thunder Spurs, Mavericks Clippers. Um, the latter had some implications for the Suns that we'll talk about in a couple minutes. Thunder snapped the Spurs' 19-game winning streak. And in true Greg Popovich, San Antonio Spurs fashion, they sit Manu Ginobili against Oklahoma City. Pretty much, in my opinion... Greg Popovich says that no, and I said this to, I said this yesterday. Winning streaks don't matter to them; they really don't. And everybody says that when they when they when they lose a game that snaps a winning streak. But truly, they do not matter. I remember last year they had two eleven game winning streaks uh, in, in separate parts of the season, and Popovich sat two, if not three, of their guys on the twelfth game for each one because really it doesn't matter. And it's like it's like you go into Oklahoma City and. You're like you are not important enough to us to play at full strength, and I'm not. And the the only question I have is, well, if you want the number one overall seed, you need to beat Oklahoma City because they're the ones that are trailing you. So I, Oklahoma, I mean, the Thunder look good, the Spurs look fine. Patty Mills was their was their leading scorer, which was kind of interesting. Uh, Tony Parker didn't really have that much of an impact, but overall. What do you take from number one, Popovich sitting Manu Ginobili, and number two, the streak coming to an end? Kwame? All right. Uh, he, I think he just dropped off. Well, I'll tell you. Um, I take nothing out of the streak ending. And the only thing that I question is why would you not play at full strength? Maybe if Manu Ginobili was hurt, that's fine. I'll, I'll give you that. They only have a three-game lead. Kwame, yeah, is you there? Hello? Hey. Did you uh, hear my... Yes. Oh, see, um, I think Popovich uh, did the right thing because Oklahoma City had the uh, first numbers all regular season. And I think the um, sitting Ginobili, if you're going to play the, the mind game, uh, come playoff time, that was a great start. And it wasn't a bad thing that the San Antonio Spurs lost the game. They, I was hoping they lose the game because that's the team I would like to see in the finals against either the Miami Heat or the Indiana Pacers if it goes down that way coming out of the Heat. But uh, I don't think that was a bad loss at all. Uh, Popovich, Hall of Fame coach, one of the, one of the best coaches, if not the best in the game right now today. Uh, what he does with his team or what he does have done throughout his uh, career. That's just the mind game uh, that he plays getting ready to go into the playoffs. You can tell who this guy is, what he is, and go through his interviews. Uh, either during the game or after the game. So sitting Ginobili, to me, was uh, just strategized at a high level. Yeah, I mean, and, and I understand. And this is this is pretty much a non-issue. Because I, the, 
the Spurs have six games left, and they're not gonna they're not gonna lose five out of six or something like that. Nothing catastrophic is gonna happen. So, in my opinion, so I I believe that even though it's close it, with with games uh, with the stretch between the one and the two seed, that I mean, there's really no way that Oklahoma City can overtake them. So, so I agree with you in that regard. The second game, Mavericks beat the Clippers one thirteen one oh seven. I caught the second half of this game, and I, I haven't watched Dallas a lot this year. But the addition of Monte Ellis and Jose Calderon, they're really good. I mean, they're they're a veteran team through and through. You know, this is gonna this is kind of their last stitch effort to win a championship before Dirk uh, retires. I think Dirk's probably got three or four serviceable years. He kind of plays like Tim Duncan, kind of uh, out, out of harm's way. Uh, and uh, listen, we got to take a break. On the other side, I want to talk about Mavericks Clippers. I want to preview the Suns Portland and Denver Memphis game tonight, which will have huge implications for uh, for the playoffs coming up. Call me Sports. Call me on the line. Alex Clancy in studio. I'll be back. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Welcome back. Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio. Kwame Lasseter on the line. Uh, we're talking Mavericks Clippers from last night, one thirteen, one oh seven. Mavericks stuck it out, and, and th- this got a little dicey towards the end. Uh, Mavericks, I believe, were up one oh nine ninety nine, and uh, the Clippers made a sick run, got to within I think two, I believe, or, or, or four, and uh, Mavericks ended up holding on. Th- this is the difference between the Clippers game against the Suns and the Clippers, which was last night, and the Clippers game against the Mavericks, or two nights ago. Clippers game against the Mavericks was last night. Veteran leadership is the main difference between 
the Mavericks, and the Suns. You don't have a superstar yet in Phoenix. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, people believe, could potentially be at some point. Goran Dragic, too. But Dirk Nowitzki supplanted himself. He's an NBA champion. And um, you can tell that in Dallas, there's more confidence, innate confidence, uh, when things aren't going well towards the end of games, to turn it around and pull games out. Because game, winning games, close games... In, in the fourth quarter, so important throughout the course of the year to build confidence, and Dallas has done that throughout the year. And this was just another showing that when they need games, when they need to win games, they hold on. And Dallas is is holding on to the seven seed right now. Uh, they are a half game up, I believe, on both Memphis and Phoenix. Um, what did, did you watch any of this game last night? Yeah, uh, the, two, the two things uh, I don't see any of veteran leadership, but. Dogs had the Clippers up when they played here. Probably about 18 points. Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers was ready to force his guys out and rest them up for the next game, although they made the playoffs. I think their spot in the playoffs might be finalized uh, in that fourth seed, third or fourth seed. The, the difference between the Clippers, or what I should say the Dallas Mavericks, and the Phoenix Suns is the veteran leadership. They have uh, guys over there in Dallas that understand the... Uh, the final minutes, you must pull those games out. There's no leadership for the Phoenix Suns, so those games that you allow 20-point leads to uh, relinquish 20-point leads and lose a ball game, at this point of the season, when it's a playoff push, you, you can see that there's no better in leadership. Blesco was out most of the year with an injury, and so the continuity wasn't there. Still isn't there right now. Or who to follow when you got a bunch of younger guys, so they don't know who to follow right now. It's going to take this offseason with Jeff Hornacek being one of, the, one of the better coaches or the better coaches that the Phoenix Suns had in a while uh, to get the team to go to the next level. The Clippers, that, it is tough to come back two nights or two or three nights from good teams or from a deficit, uh, which they tried to do last night. I guess the Dallas Mavericks, they just wasn't able to get it done against a veteran team. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and moving forward... Um... The Suns have a really tough game in Portland tonight. Still, again, one of the toughest places to play in the NBA, regardless of of if uh, Portland isn't playing so hot now as they were in the beginning of the year. This is a must-win game through and through, no questions asked. They have to win this game if they want to make the playoffs. And with the pressure as high as it is now in Phoenix, it'll be interesting to see if Goran Dragic takes over a leadership role. Like I said, he should have been doing all year... <coughs> Pardon me. He's shown glimpses, but he hasn't. He hasn't fully. He hasn't fully put himself in the forefront of the team and led the team. And I think there's been issues with Eric Bledsoe coming back that maybe he's kind of deferring now as opposed to taking the leadership role that he had when when Eric Bledsoe was out. So they need to win this game. The Grizzlies have the Nuggets at home. The Nuggets are a bad team this year. Uh, I'm not really sure as to why. Uh, Brian Shaw has done an okay job in his first year as a head coach in the NBA. But something is missing. Uh, they've gone through injuries. I understand that. Danilo Gallinari's out, been out the whole year. I understand that. But they should be better than they are, and I think they are better than what their record would indicate. We need some help from Denver tonight to go into Memphis and beat them. Because of the, the, Me- the worst thing, the worst thing is need help from another game. They should win this game against Portland. Uh, Portland's not an easy win. They should have won the game against the Lakers. They should have won the game against the Clippers, especially being at home, especially this late in the season understanding that they need those wins to make a playoff. Again, it goes back to the leadership, the veteran leadership. You have guys over there who's in their sixth year or so, uh, but coming from different teams or 
or not being a superstar. I'll say the Phoenix Suns need a veteran superstar guy who's willing to come in and see that they see the potential with, his, with the Phoenix Suns and Jeff Hornacek taking the team. If they can see the potential of that, then they may be able to land a veteran guy. Other than that, the Suns will be a 500 or slightly below 500 team if they don't get that type of their caliber of player. They Portland is not an easy win, as I mentioned. You go and they plan it, the Phoenix Suns plan on the road. This is one of the teams we talked about in the West that early in the year had one of the best records uh, during the season. Uh, they have some good players over there. They got to, They are in the playoffs. Portland Trailblazers are in the playoffs, so they're not going to relinquish the position of let the Suns come in here and or take days off. The Suns don't need to understand that. They want to be in a ball game tonight against the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, no, absolutely. And this is, you know what? Portland, yes, um, not as strong as they were at the beginning of the year. Phoenix, much stronger than they were in the beginning of the year. So this is, again, must win. Um, I will be watching this game. I will be just, I, I'm, I'm really going to look deep down and see what these guys have. See if Miles Plumley can, can put up some points. See if the, Marcus, the, the Morris brothers can, can show just some confidence, can, can find a way to plateau their game. And what I mean by that is be consistent. Be consistent. Don't be so 25-10 and 10 and then 4-3. and 25-10, and 4-3. Be consistent. If they, can, if they can put up 12.6 boards a, a piece, that's a win. Because their bench is so important in Phoenix. You can't get all of your points from your starting five, especially because Miles Plumey and, and, uh, and uh, uh, P.J. Tucker aren't scorers. So that's so much pressure to put on three guys to score all the points for the team with Channing Fry and, and Dragic and Eric Bledsoe. They need help from their bench, and, and, and I hope they get it tonight because this is the biggest game of the year for them. When you look at the Phoenix Suns, as I've been watching them, it just looks like everybody's looking for somebody to lead them. Uh, they're just watching who's going to be hot tonight. But uh, guys, uh, well, they do have players over there that can play together. You talk about the, uh, the Morris brothers. Uh, that trade was made to get... Uh, to get the other brother from Sacramento so that, that to make that team that much stronger or make Marquis that much stronger on the block. But they're just looking for somebody to lead them, and there's no, no one taking that leadership consistently. Talk about Raj or Bledsoe, but it's not a consistent thing because they're not playing together. They haven't played together all year as much as they should have due, due to injuries. Yeah, I understand. So, I mean, we will we will definitely see what happens. And then it doesn't get any easier for Phoenix. They have Oklahoma City at home on Sunday. So, I mean, this is <laughs> it's kind of the perfect storm for Phoenix. And uh, Memphis's schedule isn't isn't easy either. Uh, after the Nuggets tonight, they go to San Antonio play the Spurs, and then they're home against Miami. But then they go 76ers Lakers. So that should be at worst two and two. For the Suns, that the Spurs and Heat are wins or, or losses, and then uh, Memphis beats the Sixers and the and the Lakers, and then the Suns get Memphis at home, the second to last game of the year. And I just bought tickets to that game, so I'm definitely going to that game because that. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Memphis. Yeah, April 14th in Phoenix, Memphis coming here could potentially be for the eight seed, which would be absolutely gigantic. So if the Suns, if the Suns able to pull off. The rest of these games, they'll be playoff ready. Well, they need to win one out of three, and I said that before. They need to win at least one out of three with the Clippers, Portland, and Oklahoma City in those three games in in a week. And they gave away the first one, so they gave away the first loss, or they gave away the first win. So 
Um, they you they said, must. You said they need to win one out of three. That's that's all predicated that those other teams that's in that position lose games. So they need to win as many as they can. No, I understand. Um, but I was being kind of. Position. I, I was being realistic. Yeah, but if they one out of three, it will be good. But two out of those three, they and they make it a tiebreaker with somebody else. That's if that's if the Memphis or and they, and they have the Memphis game April fourth, as you mentioned. Oh, so Memphis or Dallas Mavericks lose the game. So, like I said, if they win the majority of these games, they'll be playoff ready. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let's look at the NBA as a whole here. Um, Nick's still in the eighth seed. We talked about this yesterday. Now I'm intrigued. Now I'm intrigued to see Carmelo Anthony could combat every bad thing that I've said about him this year. A whole lot of bad things you've said about him. Oh, I've said a lot of bad things about him. And, and, and I don't take back anything that I said. But it will, it, it will kind of put a nice little cover over it. If they can hang on to the eight seed because they're tied with it, they're tied with Atlanta right now, and if they if they do make the playoffs, if they don't get swept, if the if a series goes six with either India with Miami or Indiana, I you know what I, I see it as not necessarily a win for the Knicks for the year, but it's not a loss. It's kind of it's kind of middle rung. So I mean it's I'm just, go ahead. There's still gonna be some decisions made uh, for New York. Especially Tom Mullican off out his contract, and he see the direction of his team. You can fight at the end, but what was that fight during the season? They like the Suns, and in a position where teams have to lose, but they can't control their own destiny in these final games if they win these games out. <clears throat> but it's going to be a lot of decisions to make. Phil Jackson, who's going to be the head coach for that team, are they going to keep the coach there now? Uh, do you want to go in another direction and implement that triangle offense? Who's going to, who he's going to bring in to complement? A Carmelo uh, Anthony, another shooter or a more defensive guy, because you got to build your teams, prepare for the, the best team who might be breaking up soon, and that's the Miami Heat. I think the Indiana Pacers team is intact for another two years. Yeah, well, don't be surprised if Derek Fisher doesn't become a Nick next year, because that would be the guy that could go right from uh, right from playing to potentially coaching. And Phil Jack, he knows he knows the triangle offense as well as anybody that has ever played it before. And he's hit some of the biggest shots in Laker history through the triangle offense. So don't be surprised if, if uh, Derek Fisher comes in, signs a one-year deal for whatever million dollars, and teaches everybody the triangle offense if Phil Jackson truly wants to implement it. And he's not the head coach. So we'll see how much weight he has on the offensive structure that they have. And, I mean, he's not going to implement anything this year. He might give a little t- little tips here and there, but that would be the worst thing to do is – is is obviously implement a brand new offense with six games games to go in the season. Don't forget that uh, Steve Kerr knows that offense well. Uh. Yeah, that's true, and I mean I know he's the he's been the um, the person that 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 is has been in the forefront. Yeah, I mean I don't know I don't know if you'd want to bring in a totally unproven coach who had kind of a rough run as a GM, great analyst. But he hasn't really but, shown anything in the front office just yet. Got to take a break. Well, he was, he was the, trying to be a GM from San Diego when he was trying to be the GM of the Phoenix Suns, trying to do that from San Diego, and that was not a good combination. Right. No, I agree. Uh, on the other side, uh, we'll talk a little bit more NBA. We'll talk a little Tiger Woods, and uh, we'll get out of here for the weekend. Kwame Lasseter, Sports Kwame on the line, Alex Clancy in studio. We'll be back. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Kevin. Welcome back. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio. Kwame is getting on a plane, I believe, right now. So I will be solo for the last segment. Been talking NBA, talked some Chris Johnson, talked a little Daniel Murphy. This is the last two minutes of the NBA season, if you if I can say that and be give kind of a cheesy cliche. Lot, lot, lot of things could happen. And tonight there are a lot of games with playoff implications. Pacers Raptors, second and third seed in the East. Indiana travels to Toronto. Must win for Pacers. I mean, this is, this is, they can't, I mean, I guess it's, uh, you know what, I'm going to stop saying that. All these games are must wins for all the teams that are trying to jockey for position or make the playoffs or clinch the, the number one overall seed, et cetera, et cetera. Nuggets Grizzlies already alluded to that. Wizards Knicks. Who would have thought at the beginning of this year that this game would matter as much as it does? Washington's trying to make a push for the five seed. They're 39 and 36, a game and a half behind Brooklyn for the five seed, two games ahead of Charlotte for the seven seed. So this is a, this is a win. This is New York and uh, the Wizards both need this equally as much. Big game. Heat host the Timberwolves. Uh, could be a hiccup game. You know, uh, there have been a lot of a lot of teams that have hiccuped with Minnesota this year. Minnesota has shown glimpses of brilliance. But they're few and far between. Pistons Nets, again, Nets are two and a half behind Chicago for the four seed, a game and a half ahead of Washington for the six seed. And they're sitting pretty comfortably in the five seed. Um, so this is a big win. They need to beat Detroit at home. No questions asked. Thunder's Rocket, Thunder Rockets in Houston. Houston's only a game up on Portland with the four seed. Home court advantage is so important in the first round of the playoffs. So important. Suns Trailblazers, talked about earlier. And the last one, Mavericks Lakers. And (laughs) maybe, just maybe, the Lakers can... How about how about an old fan here? Playing at home, Friday night, Dallas coming into town on a back to back. Please <laughs> punish the Mavericks like you punished the Suns earlier this week. 
come on, one time, do something of worth this year. One time. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but they couldn't. That's why they play the games. 888-346-9144. Got about five minutes left. Follow me at Clancy's Corner on Twitter, at Kwame Lasseter for Kwame. Pete Carroll gets a contract extension. Let's go back to the NFL for a minute. He was in the final year of the five-year 35 mil deal he signed in 2010. I, I was listening, listening to uh, Dan Patrick this morning. Brought up a very interesting point. How confident would you be if you were Pete Carroll's agent walking in there asking for a contract extension? What are they going to say? No. They might give you the keys to the castle. That's why anybody that wins a Super Bowl must ask for as much money as possible at that given time because you will be forgotten the next year if, God forbid, you don't make the playoffs when you're removed from winning the Super Bowl. So he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid, and I wonder if he'll ever be held accountable for the indiscretions that happen under his watch. We, we talked about this a couple months ago. Brandon Browner with the whole performance-enhancing drug thing, or the substance, I mean, because the NFL obviously keeps what actually what it actually was under wraps. Second offense after the Adderall uh, situation last year. USC kind of skating out of there before all the sanctions came down. Nobody even questioned it. Reggie Bush taking a house from his agent for his parents. Had to give back his Heisman. Nothing happened to Pete Carroll. He's going to get paid. People have a very, very foggy memory of infractions from the past. Foggy. And Pete Carroll is a perfect example of that. All the bad stuff happening underground, underwater, and he's just a duck on top just moseying around. Chilling. Getting paid. We won a Super Bowl, so I guess that heals all wounds. How much will he get paid is the question. Because your star player, your quarterback, is getting paid under a million dollars a year, and it's about time that he's going to get paid. Do you take less money so you can make your quarterback happy? And I understand the salary cap is different with coaches and players. I get that. I mean, I'm not totally dense. The owners only have so much money, though. So I'm not totally sure what's going to happen. I mean, I'm sure he'll get five years again, six years. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. There's really no reason why. He's already been to the top. And he's built this community in Seattle that makes people forget that the Sonics left. Makes people forget that the Mariners aren't very good. And that's tough to do. I mean, that stadium is, again, one of the best in football. If not now, the best. Sound-wise, home field advantage-wise, 12th man. Everything of the sort. 
it might have eclipsed the Superdome as the best stadium in the NFL for fans. Loudness, as I said, they hit, they uh, triggered the the seismograph. Earthquakes happen during football games because of the noise in the football stadium. So he'll get his money, and rightfully so. That's the easy one, though. It was interesting. We got a couple minutes left. It was interesting. Jared Allen, uh, I think last week or uh, two weeks ago, um, he tentatively signed with Seattle. I think it was a two-year deal. And he walked away from it. And that said two things to me. One, he wasn't getting paid enough. And two, they're saving money for somebody else. Because Jared Allen got 15 mil guaranteed from Chicago. And he's 32. So I'm thinking that you already start to see, you're already starting to see the effect that Russell Wilson's imminent contract will have on uh, the Seahawks organization as a whole. Richard Sherman's got to get paid. Obviously, they didn't want to offer Golden Tate a lot of money because he left for not that much money to an inferior team. Obviously, every team is inferior to the Seahawks because the Seahawks are the Super Bowl champions. I hate that argument, but I'm going to use it just because to prove my point that paying quarterbacks a whole bunch of money can be completely detrimental as Baltimore. Maybe the best cornerback and maybe the most capable leader of the young quarterbacks in Russell Wilson both must be paid. Like paid. As Kwame would say, a pretty good amount of money. So Pete Carroll, getting his money now, that's great. But this might be problematic for Seattle. The Ravens lost everybody to pay Joe Joe Flacco $100 million. That's a going rate for quarterbacks now, especially Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Kaepernick's asking for 18 mil in, in San Francisco. Should he get it? I don't know. Ever since he's, he's uh, supplanted himself as a starting quarterback, they've been relevant. They've made the playoffs. They made a Super Bowl. They almost came back and won the Super Bowl, but they didn't. Winning and almost winning couldn't be further from each other. Russell Wilson won the Super Bowl. He had a great, fantastic performance in the Super Bowl. Yes, the defense helped. Yes, Marshawn, Lim- Marshawn Lynch helped. Yes, the inept nature of Denver uh, Denver Broncos as a whole helped. But he's going to get paid. He might get 13, 14, 15 million dollars a year for 6 years. With 50 guaranteed, 40 guaranteed. 
which is which is a, a discount from the top tier quarterbacks. He's not going to get sixty mil guaranteed like Drew Brees. He won't. Aaron Rodgers got a lot of money. Flacco got stupid money, but he just won a Super Bowl. He held out from signing an extension until the end of that year because he thought he could win a Super Bowl, and he did, and he got paid. Richard Sherman, Russell Wilson, both need to stay in Seahawks uniforms if the Seahawks are going to have a future, in my opinion. I don't want to be the front office right now in Seattle. But good for Pete Carroll. He's always kind of jumped out of the way of, of the oncoming bus when everybody else gets hit. So takes takes brilliance to do so. Corman Lasseter Sports Talk, Alex Clancy in studio. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. We'll see you guys Monday. Thanks for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.